0: Welcome, welcome everyone to the Aruthamanian Chronicles. Chapter 9 The Rounding Perpendicularity The water will drown deep and hard, but the shard it will regard. 10th stanza from the rulers of all prophecy of the return. It has been a month since they arrived to Erudhman, and Noor couldn't still wrap her head around the concept of being in another world. The others, however, seem to have warmed up to the idea. Belimrandu suggested that they should find things to do around the town while he waited for this Remy to answer him and in turn explained to them what they were to do. In their first night in Belimrandu's household, Noor couldn't sleep, even though the other did so, soundly. And on that night, she discovered the genus Noor's while she slept. On their next day, or more accurately, on their next night, Noor's heart almost stopped. Belimrandu took them out to show them the town when the moon started to rise. Aro the man had two moons orbiting it, a sea blue moon called Bavidia and a grass-green moon called Karpona. Noor's worst nightmares were the ones where she saw more than one moon in the sky, or when she saw the planets getting closer to her own planet. The moons were so close, they were so big, enormous. Noor's heart was beating in her throat as she saw the first moon, Davidia, orbiting lazily above them casting the world in its blue colour. When, it, when she saw it first, she screamed so loud that everyone in the street turned to look at her, utterly ignoring the enormous moon. Belimrando then explained that this phenomenon, where the moons were so close to Arudaman, was called the rounding perpendicularity. It's a phenomenon where the moons were, were halfway through their monthly rounds and were perpendicular on the planet. And Noor felt relieved when she knew that in Arudaman, a year spanned for six months, and every month spanned for six weeks. And each week spanned for 10 days, which meant she will have her mini heart deck that her nightmares are becoming reality only 6 times per year, assuming they stay that long in, on this planet. On their third day, Belarando had assigned them to different jobs. He said that he didn't want their money and anything he get them, be it clothes or food, he doesn't expect them to pay for it. You are my guest and it's my duty to see to your comfort. And now, standing as a cashier in a shop that sold fabric for dresses, Noor thought herself incompetent for the boring job. But it was job whatsoever. Anything to keep her busy until they found a way out of this lab. On her 60th day of working, she decided that she would walk home on her own. People were growing more accustomed to their presence of outsider in their small town. And from what Noor suspected, she and her friend had achieved a task that wasn't as easy as they thought. The people here had a tightly-knitted community that really let outsiders in. Tourists that would visit their land were more than welcomed, but strangers working in their shops and taking care of their children, that was something. She assumed that this had to do with the fact that Bilimrandu, who had turned out to be the mayor of the town, had taken them in and told people that they were harmless. Noor looked around the stores as she walked, trying to assign her friends to the places where they worked. Yusuf worked at the spices shop with the old woman, Zena worked in the li- with the librarian Laila in the apothecary Yuto in the nursery in the grocery store Hamad in the electronics store Yazra in the bakery Gina worked in the cafe and Nadim worked in the station A woman carrying her child waved at Noor as she walked and Noor waved back The woman owned a bakery that Noor had bought her breakfast from the other day and they had become almost friends immediately bonding over their unyielding love of poetry The woman was reading a poem to her children and the moment Noor heard it, it, she was mesmerized. She didn't remember the exact words, not really, but it talked of a land of peace, of days where people were safe from themselves. It talked of worlds of utopic nature and people with virtues unthinkaced. Noor wished that her world was like that, a world where people weren't afraid of what would happen tomorrow, a world where there was no starving children and families dying from wars. She wanted a world where women can walk in the streets and not be afraid, a world where, a world better than this one, a voice echoed in her head. She turned to look behind her but there was no one there. People were walking her out. Night starting to fall, the world casted in the blue hue of Vavidia. She turned and yelled back as Yuta waved at her. He was mere inches from her and she almost kicked him in the abdomen. Come on man, I thought we'd drop this. Nah, I never did. I stopped it so it would be more father Edu He giggled as a child grabbed the hem of his shirt, startling him. Noor grinned. Karma, Yuto. Karma. They were now walking through the mall district. Yuto was carrying the child that was probably one of the children he took care of, and the kid was energetic. He showered Yuto with questions, and you didn't even have time to respond before the child asked another question. Noor chuckled and looked around the district. Cafes were abuzz with people laughing and enjoying their time, and they even spotted Gina but they didn't want to distract her, so they just walked past her. Friends were having chats over coffee, or lunch in some of the restaurant that had the smell of rosemary coming out of them as they passed. Rosemary. Nor could almost smell her mother's signature rosemary white sauce pasta, and Nor felt a pang in her heart. She missed her home, even more than she expected. As much as this world was familiar to her own, she couldn't help but feel homesick. Seeing all of these people together, families going out on outings, Friends having fun as they walked around with no specific destination. This was all too much for her that her vision started to blur, and she started sniffing. Nor felt something grabbing her leg and she panicked. She flung her eyes open, causing tears to sting them. She looked down and saw that the kid Yuto was carrying was hugging her leg. I'm sorry, Miss, if my questions made you cry. I I'll stop asking them, I promise. Just Stop crying, please. Noor can't help but laugh. No, no, it's not the questions. I just it's my home. This is why I'm crying. Ask as much questions as you want. And at that, the kid pulled away and nodded. I miss my home too. Mom said that we can go back to it one day, but I know it's not true. He looked down and started drawing small circles with the tip of his shoes on the snowy ground. His home? Isn't this his home? But now, Minor can see what the kid meant. The kid's skin was slightly tanned than the people she had seen around town. His blonde hair wasn't pale, but a slightly deep sandy color. His eyes were in pale green, but a deep green. He wasn't from this land. According to Blim Randu, all of the people in the continent shared the same characteristics in terms of paleness of their colour. Rich, yes, but pale in a way. It didn't make sense, but. This kid wasn't as pale as... A woman approached him. She wore a bright red dress that reminded note of blood coming out of a fresh wound. The woman's dark skin made an amazing contrast with the bright red color and her thin physique made the dress suit her even more. The woman had green eyes and a sheet of straight midnight black hair and she had the grace in the way she walked and moved. It was as if the world had a path made only for her. And of course, the fact that she stood out from the crowd of people around her. Noor looked at you and whispered, You're rubbing on me. I saw the dress and thought immediately of blood. And at that, you smirked. This means I'm doing my job. I will turn you all into a band of psychopaths. He whispered to Noor and turned to the woman. Lady Van," he made the kid's hair. He was waiting patiently for you. The kid grinned and jumped into the woman's arm. Mommy. Noor smiled and turned to you to find him smirking. She tilted her head and looked at the woman to find that she wasn't in any way happy to see Yutu or Noor. Noor looked at the kid who stood in the middle and seemed excited that his mother was meeting his teacher. And Noor tried to understand the dynamic of what was happening. But she failed. The woman nodded and held her child close. She sneered at Yutu and his white-skinned. The woman said with her chin raised, I cannot believe I leave my child with the likes of you. And at that, Noor's blood boiled. What the hell was this crazy lady saying? But you didn't respond. He only smiled. It's so sad that you have no other option, isn't it? Oh, and since we're at it, my name is not white it's Master Yu You can call me sir, in case you want to address me formally. He turned to Noor and said, Oh, right, Lady Van, this is Lady Noor. She- The one pulled the bath them, bumping Yudu in the shoulder as he... she said few words. In a language Noor didn't know. Yuto waved at the child and said, See you tomorrow far. No need to be violent with me, Lady Van. No turned to Yuto, who was grinning like a kid. What the hell was her problem? And why were you enjoying this? Noor and Yuto started walking towards Redmaranda's home. They exited the Mold District and were now in the square where the light from the Vartan orb hovered in the Queen's of Ice's hand. Since the first day, when she touched the Tao's Gate, she had felt something... Strange. A kind of connection to every Vartan stone there is. Whenever she touched one, she could hear voices. Sometimes the voices are of laughter, sometimes the voices are of crying. Sometimes the voices are the same as the voice she heard when she fell from the elevator on the first day here. She didn't share the knowledge of the voices with anyone that they call her crazy. Which wouldn't be far stretched from what they already were. Staying here and not finding a way home, of course. What I gathered is that far and Lady Van aren't from this content. The content we are in are called Talong. The content they are from are called Mariwan, and according to what I read, it is where the king of water had ruled. Historically, and ironically to our own world, people with white, ki- with, with white skin were their sleeves. No one knows when this had started but it did at some point. Even though most Arudamanians have white skin. They were almost at this woman when, when he said, anyway, the Elentrances are wrecking havoc in their continent and they had to come here, against their prejudice of course. Yuta smirked as they made their way to the door, and I enjoy seeing her face like that. Noor tried to collect everything she knew till this morning about the orderman and the door to Belarunder's house was left ajar revealing thick drops of blue blood forming a trail to the kitchen the people living in this continent pr- were unique for their blue blood Noor knew that much and seeing it on the ground made her stomach turn Noor got as you to looked at it you to touched it with the tip of his shoes and when, it, and when he moved his shoes and Noor saw the stickiness of it She heard Yudith's thought. Fresh. What the hell? Now, thinking of it, the door to the house was unlocked. Berthia was nowhere to be seen, and the vital of the living room was dimmed. Yudith looked at Noor putting a finger over his mouth and walked slowly to the kitchen. Noor was horrified. She hasn't heard of any thievery in a since she arrived here, but there was no reason to its extension. But a thief in Belimrande's house? Disturbingly, she had heard rumors of nearby towns getting attacked and left in ruins by Berberon. Some of the people there fled and came here. Could there be thieves among them? And they're trying to ransack Belemirando's house? Yuta approached the kitchen from the side, hiding behind the archway that led into it. He sneaked a peek, Noor behind him, then she, then he sighed. Belemirando, this is your house, yes. But we would like it if we don't enter to find bloods blood drops on the floor. Yuru said putting a hand on his heart and looking at Noor who did the same. You almost gave us a heart attack. Billimrandu growled something that Noor didn't hear. She stood next to you and found out that Billimrandu was not alone. Across of him sat a man with a wound on his shoulder that Barona was stitching. Blue blood already clotting on the stitches. It's all destroyed, Billy. All of it. Noor looked closer to the man. She saw his eyes sunken, hallowed, his quivering coloured lips. His hair was white like Bill Miranda, but it lacked the glowing sensation Bill head. had. The man looked at Nuran Duto, his eyes widening. You. They're searching for you. The man stood up, causing Barona to stumble over the table to be pushed back, dropping the kit she was using. The man extended his hand and grabbed Yuto from his neck, strangling him. They wanted you. His eyes flared with hatred towards Yuto. Yuto's face was turning purple as he clawed at the man's hand, kicking with his legs frantically. Nur tried to push the man's hand to kick him herself, but nothing would work. Nur was scared. It was as if everything around her was happening in slow motion. Again, she was standing there, helpless, as one of her friends was dying. She wanted to save him. She wanted. She needed to save him. The thing inside of her moved again. The same thing. It did with Yusuf. But this time, she felt how angry the thing was, as if mirroring those emotions. The thing wanted to help her save Yuta. The thing roiled inside of her again and she felt it popped to her fingertips. This time, however, something even more inexorable happened. The lights around the house dimmed. Even more than they were already. Then, she heard it. The soft sound of humming coming from all around her. She tried to listen if it formed any words but it was just a simple hums. Noor raised her her hand and lights were drawn out of the vartan to form a snowflake the size of her palm before her. Noor thought of a fist strong enough to punch the man and force him to let you to go. Noor felt like an artist bringing her imagination to reality as a fist made of icy crystal roughly the size of Noor's head came shooting out of the snowflake and into the man's head he was thrown against the wall and fell on the ground with a disturbing thud. Noor panted, and in a moment of weird clarity, Noor understood what she had just done. She looked around and saw the fist hovering there, right above the man. Noor felt herself on autopilot when she thought of the fist returning to the light that once was inside the vartan. As if on cue, the fist exploded into rays of interweaving lights and it turned to face Noor. Noor couldn't tell if this was the back, the front, or the middle of the stream but she knew the light was waiting for her command. She nodded and the light returned to her respective versions. Everyone was silent except for Yuta's cuffs. Belmond and Verona gawked at her as if they were seeing her for the first time. Noor looked at them. She thought that she would be tired by now after all of what happened, but she wasn't. If anything, she was as energetic as she has ever been. Yuta managed to get on his knees, taking huge intakes of breath as he glared up at Billy Miranda. Thanks for nothing. He couldn't complete the sentence and no one noticed the purple bruises were forming on his neck. Billy Mirando's jaw was set and his hands were behind him. His blue eyes, like ice, had a sparkle in them. One day you will be the king of one of Eurydomania's continents. You need to be able to handle such assaults. There will be assassins waiting for you at every corner. Luckily, this man isn't one, or you would have been already dead. Then who is this man? Noor asked, patting Yuto on the back, looking up at Belmirando. Noor thought that he would want to talk about what had happened right now. She had... God, she had no words for what had just happened. Even think of it was funny. I summoned ice. I had summoned ice. Something far worse than assassins, I'm afraid. Belimrandu looked at the fallen man and carried him on his shoulder. He's a man broken by grief. And with that, Belimrandu walked out of the kitchen, taking the man with him, leaving Barona's to Noor and Yuto. Noor raised her eyebrow and looked at Barona. Is he always deep like that? Barona rolled her eyes. Tell me about it. Noor patted Yuto's back and stood up, stumbling, almost falling if it wasn't for the chair that she pulled out for him. He sat down and she sat across of him. Barona kneeled next to you two, checking his throat. Bagger was the mayor of another town and an old friend of Belimrandos. The man's town was burned down, flattened. Poor Bagger saw his family, his people, burned down and couldn't do a thing, and instead they knocked him out and threw him, blooded, at the gates of our town. Barona nodded and stood up. I will go and check on Bagger, and then come down to prepare lunch. I'm sorry for she just said at his throat. They know you're here, and they will stop at nothing to find you. And at that, she left the kitchen and went upstairs where Bill Miranda and Bagger was. And Noor couldn't help but feel a chill at the hopelessness in the baroness tone. Yuta turned to Noor and managed to say, Thank you. Noor nodded. She couldn't still wrap her mind around the idea that she just did what she did. She felt as if someone had pushed a carpet from underneath her and now she was free-falling. The feeling of having the power is so freaking cool, and it felt as if she could be like one of the characters she saw in movies, despite her dislike for fiction and fantasy. But this means that she has to accept that she is one of the rulers of the prophecy. Assuming that Noor accepted this, she is the Queen of Ice. The ice shall walk down the dark path, the sleeping monster shall unleash its trap. Noor contemplated this for a while, but then she found that somehow everything turned black. And she was suddenly, Noor fell asleep.